I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good afternoon, noise heads, and welcome to Surface Noise, Modern Superior's vinyl and music podcast. As always, I'm one half of your hosting team, Richard Feliciano. Yeah. I'm joined across borders. Yes. Although I was in the same, I was on your side of the border for a while, but now I'm back on the other side of the border. Mr. Dan Gorman. So, Dan, you're from Canada. You're visiting the U.S. Mm Mm-hmm. You wanted to get a taste of everything America has to yes. offer. You got some Disney. Disney. Universal. Shake Shack. Shake Shack. Oh, okay. I, still, I yeah. still haven't gone to Shake Shack. Oh, I got one up on you then. Another thing I haven't experienced is uh, narrowly escaping a hurricane. Yeah, yeah. We got out just in time. Um, we were in Orlando and while we were on our trip, it was kind of like people started texting us, uh, like, hope you're okay and all this stuff. So we started to kind of look into the news and we saw that it was coming and we got out just in time. It was starting to get a little bit like, you know, is the plane going to be able to take off and, and stuff like that, like it, with the weather, but it ended up being a smoother flight out than it was on the way in. So, hey, there you go. Well, I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad you enjoyed your time here. Um, yes. I'm sure you're glad to be back home. Totally. And excited for this episode because we had this one in the bank for a while. We've been ruminating on it. Yeah, we've had this one in the plans. It's gotten pushed back a little bit. Good reasons to push it back. We talked to some cool people. We talked to Rebecca Johnson from the mm-hmm. Netflix show Glow. And you just put up a like a bonus kind of episode about the national which is awesome yeah my wife and i stayed up late after watching the movie it to talk about their new record sleep well beast uh we had uh, someone on reddit commented that uh my wife and i should have been given 12 cups of coffee before we recorded this show <laughs> i think that's like a, a thing that people generally think about like me as well. I I think we both, and I guess from the sounds of it, you and your wife, I think all of all three of us seem to have a little bit more of a drier kind of discussion type on these episodes. Totally. So 
and maybe the listener should drink the coffee exactly and then they'll they'll think that we're talking faster put down your devices and learn to have a, a attention span yeah right? enjoy the enjoy the seconds that you know we take a breather between our our discussion yeah we can't all be like super animated hosts yeah. you know it's <laughs> it'd be boring if everyone was just very animated and knew how to keep energy going yeah <laughs> oh, i have to i have to i have to exhale after yeah. spending that much energy on one sentence <laughs> <sighs> so we're very excited for this episode uh in case you haven't seen the title for it this episode is called life after the buzz bin is is the buzz bin a specific term an american term it is an american term dan i don't know if you okay. came across any um old newspapers while you're in america but in the <laughs> 1990s music television also known as mtv used to have a category of music video that they slapped with the buzz bin label so when Better Than Ezra released a new music video or the Presidents of the United States of America or Beck, there'd be like a little fake, uh, like in the beginning of the movie trailer, they have like the the grade of the movie rated R, the rating. You would have that yeah. and it would say rated B for Buzzbin. Was the buzz, was it specifically called Buzzbin because it was like, these are up and comers or was it like they... The, just certain bands got tagged with it or was it specifically because like oh people are buzzing about this band it was when 90s alt rock was kind of a new thing that was taking over okay. the radio so I, I believe hootie and the blowfish were probably at one point in the buzz. <laughs> there's this weird time in the 90s where you could be uh you could be like vertical horizon or you could be uh, Sister Hazel, or you could be Hootie the Blowfish. Oh, no. And it all felt like everyone just labeled that as alt-rock, alternative. Yeah. That's so weird in hindsight. <laughs> there, it's like Bare Naked Ladies and The Eels and Bush and Sugar Ray yeah. aren't the same genre. That's, very, that's a very disparate collection of bands. But it was it was just all considered one thing, and they labeled it the buzz bin. I know you didn't have that up there. What was the equivalent for you? So we had much music. Um, I don't think we had it. We had some, like, I know of MTV also having, like, 120 minutes for, like, the alternative stuff. We had, like, some different shows on much music. Like, we had Going Coastal, which was, like, their east coast canadian indie rock stuff and and west coast indie rock stuff um and i think we had the wedge and the wedge was like our answer to 120 minutes it was like here's the cool weird indie rock the alt rock stuff but we never really had anything like buzzbin like you know but we did have like the the kind of equivalent of that so right on the second component of the reason why we're bringing up the buzz bin is that a lot of the artists that were slapped with this label, whether they were slapped with the Canadian version yeah. or the American version, uh, they ended up being one hit wonder bands. Yeah. And I feel like even Weezer, when Buddy Holly came out, it was kind of like, OK. And again, you said Beck, like people were kind of looking at Beck and saying, OK, Loser was a one hit wonder. You know, and then when his second album was coming out, it, a lot of people were just like, whatever, until they heard it. 
feel free to comment and you know fill in your memories of what the buzz been and yeah. it was like um and we will at the end of the episode after we talk about our two picks for bands that were one hit wonders but maybe didn't deserve to be or maybe had a longer life span than that we'll have a bunch of responses that we got uh when we put stuff out on facebook so we will get to some listener submissions so daniel i yes. know that before we get to the actual life after the buzz bin slash life after being a one hit wonder segment uh we do have some titles to go through and now it's time for what's spinning the love and hate edition so my first pick of the episode uh, preamble album picks is um, an artist named Blockhead. Uh, he's a producer. Um, he has worked with Aesop Rock in the past, but he's also had a long career of instrumental hip hop records. Uh, his real name is Tony Simon, uh, and he just put out a record called Funeral Balloons. September 8th so really recently um, it's a really cool record it's all instrumental it's all beat based music it's really cool uh, I, I listen to it a lot while I'm at work um, I find it to be really great mood music and for a connection to surface noise uh, it was mixed at the Dayliner Manor by Baby Dayliner that's right Blockhead is an old friend and collaborator of Baby Dayliner yeah previous guest here on the podcast yeah it's a really cool record and i recommend it um we usually talk more about indie rock stuff this is a little bit different um it's kind of got like some funky 1970s uh samples and it's a bit of a, a headphone album that's good to just kind of vibe out to but i'm really really liking it very cool did you listen to, yeah did you listen to blockhead before we did the baby dayliner stuff yes and i believe when you did that episode i was googling around and i saw pictures of like blockhead wearing a baby dayliner shirt and stuff and i was like i wonder what that connection is and i didn't know until when i was looking at this record that's awesome so with that i'm going to give my first love pick yeah uh it is uh an ep by a band called diamond youth His name is Orange. It was released in twenty in twenty thirteen on Top Shelf Records. Yeah. I think you you posted about this online recently, right? Like saying that it was something that you hadn't you had kind of heard the name of, but then you kind of revisited and and fell for. Yeah, I had skimmed through their records like maybe two years ago when their first uh, full length came out. Uh, but for whatever reason, I just wasn't in the headspace to really uh, hook into what they were doing. But uh, recently, I've kind of been going through some of Top Shelf's back catalog, and I played uh, this EP, the Orange EP, and immediately, once the vocals kicked in, uh, this stood out. Uh, they're, uh, they're from Baltimore, Maryland. 
what I love most uh, is the guy's voice and also uh, the guitars. They, they remind me a lot, you know, on theme of this episode, of like 90s rock bands. In that same era where there wasn't quite uh, those definitions between like radio rock or grunge rock. It was just kind of yeah. one thing where listening to this six song EP, you can hear like bits of guitar work that you could be like, this could maybe be like on like a grungy Bush song or this could mm-hmm. be on uh, an old Weezer track. Uh, it's very cool. I def- definitely recommend people check it out. Uh, their full length that came out uh, two years after that is called Nothing Matters. And uh, it's it's similar. Uh, I would start with this EP, though, because I think this is this one I like a little bit more. Cool. Um, you've been really great on tipping me off to things that I had heard like the name of, but never really got into. And I think this falls into that category. Um, I think you did the similar thing with, uh, Space Mountain and their mm-hmm. album, Super Mundane. And you talked about one of their other albums, uh, I think as well, Big Sky. And I, and I was like, I've heard of those, but I've never listened to them. And now I love them. So I'm definitely going to check out, uh, check out this for sure. Cause I, I know the name. I've just never really... Like you mentioned, I just never really like jumped onto it, so I got to I got to yeah. try it. Judging it, a band by their name, if you hear Diamond Youth, it doesn't sound like yeah, something. it sounds like dancey. Yeah, it sounds like, like it sounds like maybe they would have toured with the Yeah Yeah Yeahs or something. I don't want to. I'm about to get negative in a moment, so I want to yeah. save it for yeah. For my, and for not my that hate. that's a bad thing because I like the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, but it just sounds like from a different type of music than what you're describing. Right on. But before you get negative, I'm going to jump in real quick with another EP. Um, I've been listening to this uh, EP that I cannot put down. I just keep coming back to it. It's by a band called Blush. And speaking of band names, it's a band name that has a weird spelling. It's B-L-U-S-H and then another H on the end. So Blush with two H's. Um, They're pretty new. Uh, They're from L.A. And they just put out this EP in, I want to say, June. And it's a five-song EP. It's super catchy. Like you were saying uh, with the band you're talking about, it kind of has that, okay, this, this... must be influenced by Weezer in some way. Um, but it's just super poppy, super uh, catchy. Um, and it has me clamoring for a full length from them just because I can't I can't put it down. So Blushes, It's Fine EP. Yeah, I think if, if people like that kind of Roswell kid, kind of poppy, really punchy indie rock, they'll probably go for this too. Awesome. I have to check that out. Yeah, it's great. Um, and then again, speaking of Weezer... Ah, yeah, it's like we a can't weird thing. Weezer on this show. If you say their name three or four times as a reference to newer bands, they appear kind of like Bloody Mary in <laughs> yeah. a bathroom mirror. And much like Bloody Mary, uh, the version of Weezer that appears is frightening. Yeah. So uh, my hate pick for this episode is the new single entitled "The Beach Boys" by Weezer. Oh. <laughs> Uh, 
Oh my god. It's such what? a terrible song. Why is this happening? We what? recently had a mini episode about Weezer's singles. They just put out this uh this single Beach Boys and I was like, "Hey, I sometimes love Weezer. I love the Beach Boys. Maybe there will be something here for me." And I was wrong. I I'm just like, this is their third single from their upcoming album, Pacific Daydream. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. And I'll tell you exactly why this one is specifically so bad. It, it sounds like Weezer were like guest stars on some really bad sitcom. And within that sitcom, like one of the characters meets Weezer, like by happenstance. <laughs> and they're like backstage and they're like, hey, let's all write a song together. If someone had told me that this song was written two days on the CBS uh, shooting lot, <laughs> you know, like as like we got to give this stupid show a song that sounds somewhat like Weezer. Yeah, let's just write a dumb song called "The Beach Boys" and the lyrics are stupid and let's not think about it. If someone said that was the origin, I'd understand. Yeah, and it's it's again one of those moments of Weezer, much like some of their other singles recently, where I where I go. Okay, let's hear this. And then the song starts and I think this isn't the worst thing, but I'm going to ignore these lyrics and maybe this verse will lead to a chorus that I like. Um, but in this song in particular, it led, the, the, the chorus, which I could have overlooked in, in another song, leads to a chorus with just some of the worst Rivers lyrics. Like he's saying the chorus is just turn it up. It's the Beach Boys singing out in a sweet voice. On a roll like a twist toy, keep cranking them Beach Boys. I don't know what that means, on a roll like a twist toy. And he's saying later, like, the Beach Boys making my eyes moist, hold them up at gunpoint. What are you talking about? This doesn't make any sense. I, 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 I would have liked it more if he had just made a song with the Beach Boys where, like, every once in a while... The point of the song is that he just kind of like makes a reference to one of their lyrics, you know, like Oakerville River had one of those songs, the, the plus ones or something. And it was kind of built out of exclusively rock and roll like references. And I felt like he could have done that here and it just would have been like, oh, OK, like, you know, a lot about the Beach Boys and you're kind of showing off, but whatever. But this is just it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why he's talking about the Beach Boys in this song. He seats. He he's talking about it being a hip hop world in one line, and the next one he's talking about the Beach Boys being like a twist toy. It's 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 fucking inane. I got uh, a message here from our resident Weezer expert Matt Harbert. Okay, this was uh, his take on the song. He said, "I think this is better than Mexican Strat, but not by much. Sounds like if you tried to pitch a song lazily late at night and didn't go much further." R.I.P. Weezer. <laughs> it's really it's looking rough for Weezer. I mean, they were they were on a roll with the White Album, and maybe this is going to be a, a piece of crap, and their next one will be better. I don't know. But now we've heard so the, like three, three or four out of the ten songs, and it's not looking good. It's not going to be good. This uh, I've done some research, and this album is produced by Butch Walker, who is his own singer songwriter in his own right. Uh, but he, he's most famous for also producing Weezer's album Ratitude. Oh, great. <laughs> so we know uh, things are in good hands. Yep. So that's your hate pick. 
I'm not going to say anything else. The rest of the show is going to be positive. Yeah. I got it all out. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Check out Diamond Youth. Check out Blush. Check out Blockhead and R.I.P. Weezer. Speaking of R.I.P., um, next up on our main segment, we're going to look at two bands who many may have uttered those words in relation to. Yeah. However, they were able to rise from the one-hit wonder slash buzz bin grave. And now, it's time for our main topic, life after the buzz bin. I think that this is interesting, and I think it's an interesting topic, um, because... I think it's interesting that if you ask your average music fan, they might say that these two bands were one hit wonders. But I like the idea of like these bands kind of quietly cultivating a discography. And I think that's what both of these bands have done. And I think I think both of us have picked the band of the two that maybe we prefer. But I think it's going to be interesting to get into it. So. My pick for one hit wonder slash buzzbin survivor is the band Nada Surf. Yeah, another Weezer adjacent. We just can't get away from Weezer. Nada Surf. Most people probably remember Nada Surf as the band that produced the amazing hit 1996 single Popular. If you don't remember how that song goes off the top of your head, it is also the song that features talking verses with the chorus, I'm the head of the class, I'm popular, I'm never last picked, I've got a cheerleader chick. Yeah, it's kind of riding that, like, I think there was a lot of bands in the 90s that were considered one-hit wonders that got slapped with with the ironic, like label and i think maybe beck came with that too where they were sort of like oh that like they're doing an ironic thing it's like the band cake they're doing oh they they must be all about irony but when you listen to popular which is kind of an ironic takedown of like a type of person the rest of the album doesn't really follow suit in that kind of a vein it definitely stands out from the record Yes, the album it came off of was named High Low. It was their debut. It was also on a, the major label Electro Records. So they started out of the gate with a bit of some expectations as uh, being a band on a, on a major label. And uh, as you said, the rest of the album is pretty straight ahead guitar rock music. Yeah, it's like, it's like that kind of uh, guitar rock that feels like indie rock, but wasn't because it was on a major. It, it's a lot. I think this record was a bit of a play from Elektra to to repeat the the Blue Album um, success because it's also produced by Rick Okasek from the Cars, like Weezer's first album. Uh, it has ten songs, like Weezer's first album. It kind of has a similar graphic design style and and typography style on there, like on the record. Um, it it just kind of feels like oh, here's another grunge esque but melodic band 
that you'll all love. And it's a good record. The record is aged uh, surprisingly well. Uh, and it's kind of a shame because the everything that the band is known for in this one-hit wonder bubble that we're, we're taking a look at is basically on the back of the song Popular, yeah. uh, which I think was like a late addition to the track listing. I believe the album was written and they kind of sent them back to kind of play with things a little bit. And uh, I think one of the producers had the idea of just having – uh, Matthew Cause, the lead singer, read out of this old uh, book. It was like I don't know if it was like a high school etiquette book of some sort uh, or a psychology book, and that's yeah. what the verses are pulled from. In a way, it's sort of, uh, of course, the way things always work. The things that you kind of just slap together at the last moment are the things that yeah leave a, a lasting impact. Uh, but the, the other thing that I think uh, kind of put a highlight on this track in particular is the music video which was filmed at an actual high school and it shows uh, Matthew Cause like in front of a class reciting the verses. There's some scenes with like people on the football field practicing. They also had the lead actress from Welcome to the Dollhouse, uh, Heather Matarazzo in the uh, in the video as well. I don't know if it was some kind of a like tie-in. I'm pretty sure they kind of have her looking like her character from that movie. I think it might have just been like, we like this movie and we'll make a reference to it. But she's also in that video as well. I, I like thinking about these bands a lot. Like if I heard this song on the radio and then went out and bought the album, would I be disappointed? And I could understand people being disappointed with the rest of the album not being that kind of immediate and that kind of like song. But to me, it's like a solid record. Like I, I kind of got into it. A little like a couple of years after it came out, they probably had already released another album by the point I started listening to it. But I was just like, oh, this is more of that kind of driving rock, you know, Weezer-esque kind of stuff. And it's it's good. You and I are in agreement there, Dan. This is a good record. Uh, I, th I think where things got uh, kind of harried for the band is uh, on their follow up to High Low, which was also yeah, the, the uh, dreaded sophomore release. It had been planned to be released on Electra Records. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. However, the label was very unhappy with the batch of songs that they had recorded. They felt that there wasn't uh, 
there wasn't an air to popular that they could throw on the radio. Yeah. Uh, so they had the band go back in the studio and record a couple of cover songs. Uh, that always works well. I know. That's a terrible idea. Hey, here's some, we don't like your songs. Go record a cover song for your, for your hit. <laughs> like that's not a good idea. This is so mid nineties when you could have a, there was that one band that did a cover of uh, an NWA song. Do you remember that? Boys in the hood. Oh, dynamite hack. Yep. There was yeah. that uh it was it was a time where you could break a band by just having them cover a song that people already liked. Yeah, the Ataris um, did it later with Boys of Summer. Yeah, so they were trying to do that with Not a Surf, who they viewed as a liability uh on that second album, which was called The Proximity Effect. Uh the band actually pushed back on it enough that the label got fed up and just flat out refused to release it. So there was this weird period of maybe like four or five years where the album was ready, but it wasn't hadn't been released across uh, you know across the world. It yeah. may have just been like in Europe or something. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting because I think this is another thing that there's like a trend here because when we talk about the band that I picked, the exact same thing happened to them. First album has a hit, goes back in to record a record, you know record labels not happy with it tries to push some you know some hits on them uh the weird thing about nata surf and the proximity effect is i did read somewhere that electra actually was like hey why don't you just put an acoustic version of popular on this album and that's so weird and they tried to do that to the get up kids as well when they put out their second record they were like hey why don't you just record this one song from your record you've already put out again and it's like, wouldn't that be weird if your second album just had the big song from your first record? Like, what a weird thing to think. It's such a different time than it is now. I, just, I, I feel like you back then you couldn't listen to albums before you bought them for the yeah. most part. So if there was one song like that that even remotely got your interest, I could see a lot of people uh, buying the record. Yeah. But if that was a song that was already like, like that was your popular song from your last record, it'd be like, is this a new record? <laughs> this was a time when people were buying CD singles and it, it was a different yeah, world I yeah. think, that we live in. Uh, but uh, rightly so, Not a Surf uh, said no to all of it. And for a while, they were in that sort of weird. Uh, major label purgatory. Yeah. Now, Austin, Dan, you said that Super Drag's arc kind of resembles this a little bit. Do you think we should uh, look into the one-hit wonder version of Super Drag? Should we jump? And then maybe jump back and forth. And then, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's uh, do it. Who sucked out the feeling? Who sucked out the feeling? The band that I picked is Super Drag, and we'll get back to Nate, uh, Nata Surf a little bit. But um, their first record was called Regretfully Yours. It came out in 1996. Uh, funnily enough, also on Electra Records, another trend here. And I think Electra Records had a bit of um, a problem with some of their bands. I know that They Might Be Giants were on electra for a while as well and there was some like changing of of the guards and the person that liked they might be giants got moved somewhere else and then everybody else just said 
you're not going to be on our label anymore because we don't know what to do with you. I think they kind of had a problem with this kind of stuff because Super Drag's record, Regretfully Yours, came out. It had a hit called Sucked Out. Um, it had a very kind of immediate chorus with, with the lyrics, Who Sucked Out the Feeling. Uh, the singer kind of hits this almost like non-high note, and it had that kind of very sing-alongable thing going to it, played on MTV, was a really big hit. They got classified as a one-hit wonder. Um, again, like Nata Surf, it's a record that I can't, I, I can and can't understand being disappointed with it because if you heard that song and bought the rest of the record, it, you, a lot of people probably at the time thought, oh, it's just more songs that aren't as good as that one. But I think it's another record that has aged really well. And I think they do a really great kind of power pop, you know, thing. They remind me a lot of like Super Chunk in that they just picked a kind of style and just stuck with it. But again, um, they went to do a second record, and that's where things went awry. Um, before I get into that, though, do you have any feelings on Regretfully Yours or their single, Sucked Out? Uh, I love Sucked Out, and uh, actually, I remember when it was played all over MTV at the time, and uh, there was this weird like 10-year gap where I completely forgot the song existed, <laughs> yeah. and by chance, it just popped up on a station. And I think the thing about the both High Low and Regretfully Yours that I think, you know, the reason we can't, maybe can't find too much fault in them is that a lot of bands since then have used that sound as like their, like, like a, the Electra's uh, bane of their existence, this sort of like post-grungy uh, alt-rock is what like a lot of bands that you and I listen to today are kind of emulating yeah. by choice. Like this, this <laughs> style of music has... It, it has like a, I don't want to say quaint, but it has like a classic feel to yeah. it. So when when newer bands are just playing guitars, straight up guitars, we're like, oh, this is novel. Like there's no keyboards. It just sounds like 90s rock. But uh, I think that maybe they didn't have that kind of a hindsight. Yeah. Quite at that yeah, time. It's, it's funny because you're right. Like the sound has totally come back around. And, you know, another band that I think was considered a one hit wonder like Veruca Salt, you know, I think that's like another sound that's like totally back and and people are emulating that kind of sound and it's totally working and people are are realizing that some of those bands that were being shoved aside as like you only had one song actually had like a lot more influence than maybe at the time they would have ever imagined. And so Super Drag again like Nata Surf they went to do a second record. This was in 98. It was called Head Trip in Every Key. Um, and when you read about this record on, uh, on Wikipedia or anywhere else, um, you might think that it's like this insane departure with orchestras and organs and sitars, and it's so unfriendly and no one on the radio wanted anything to do with it. And the story behind it is a lot like, um, of the proximity effect where Electra was pushing back. They said, you don't have any singles here. Um, and super drag pushed back on the label and basically used all the money that they were given by Electra to make the album they wanted to make. 
And when you actually go and listen to it, compared to Regretfully Yours, which was super crunchy, super immediate, this is a bit more um, mature, but it still has that kind of sound, and it's just a little bit more subdued in moments, but it's the songs are catchy. I, I think it's their best record. Um, I listen to it quite often. Um, I find myself going back to it a lot. And um, it was produced by, or co-produced by Jerry Finn, who did stuff for like pop punk bands. Um, so I think people were maybe expecting just like regretfully yours, but with a, a radio friendly sheen and they didn't get that. But um, it's a great record and it is also really aged well. And I think it's crazy that um that they aren't regarded as like more than just sucked out when you hear this at record. And I think I think people feel the same way about Not a Surf as well. You don't hear their name brought up too much, but they definitely have to be an influence uh to, to more recent bands. Uh, yeah. Actually uh one of the Kinsella brothers who does uh the side project Owen. Yeah. Familiar with Owen he released a seven inch on polyvinyls four track single series that has uh, an acoustic version oh, cool. of uh, I'm expanding my mind. Oh yeah. Which is so the I, opener and is a great, great song. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's funny. The, there are those uh, orchestral elements to it. Yeah. But you know, not being a label that's pissed off at all your rock bands, just being a <laughs> listener. It's like this. This seems like a natural progression from totally from and and all those moments of like adornments and stuff. They they all they all serve, you know, to build to melodies. Like that's that that song. I'm expanding my mind. Starts acoustically and kind of builds to a full band. But like when it gets there, it's like super catchy. So it's kind of crazy to think like, you know, they must have just had a thing where they like heard a piano instead of a crunchy guitar and they were like, get out of here. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's it, we should have an episode uh, one day about uh, records that major labels initially uh, rejected. That yeah. ended up being huge, uh, successful uh, albums. Yeah, uh, I think I think, well, yeah. I think like I think. <laughs> super dragon not a, and not a surf i think the rest of their careers we can kind of jump back and forth on but i think they are both bands that for a long time a lot of people i knew were saying like no really they like they have a lot of great stuff yeah i i, I think we picked the right two bands for for this topic because uh if if we did like little mini polls of uh on social media and i think both bands popped up uh, a bit more than uh, any of the other suggestions we got definitely so um so we can go through their sort of post one hit wonder careers uh to start with not a surf uh after they finally got the rights to publish the proximity effect on their own i believe within a year or two they had signed a major uh, they had signed a contract with the indie label barsook records home of like Death Cab for Cutie and John Vanderslice and their uh, 2004 album Let Go was released in the blizzard of 77 the cars were just lumps on the snow and then later tripping in 7-11 
Oh, I, I think that was a good, like, th this is an example of a band making the right decision for their music for the label and then also kind of being um, rewarded as such. Because I, when I wasn't aware of much about Nata Surf, this is the one that I would see around a lot. And I think being on a record label with Death Cab for Cutie, I think, totally makes sense, especially early Death Cab for Cutie, when you hear this record. Yeah, uh, from the first song, Blizzard of 77, uh, this is like a band that busted out of some kind of like grunge cocoon to be uh, this like uh, thoughtful, sincere indie pop band. Yeah. And you hear that immediately from the first track on that album. And uh, this sort of like new reborn version of Not A Surf uh, was able to uh, garner a ton of positive press. That's probably why you saw this album around so much. Yeah. Uh, the re the reviews for it were great. It's a great story, you know. <laughs> grunge one hit wonders end up, you know, being these like uh, indie pop uh, standouts on uh, this up and coming label. Uh, one song from that album that uh, kind of got a little bit of radio play uh, was "Inside of Love," which I think also got some MTV music video play. I think yeah. Uh, it's it's probably the second song behind popular that someone might have heard uh, if you just throw the name not a surf out there. That makes sense. Um, and then to pair that with like what super drag were doing, they released a record um, after their second one called in the Valley of dying so in, in the Valley of dying stars. And it kind of splits the difference. Like we see Nata surf just go fully um into their sort of indie pop stuff, whereas their second record kind of split the difference between their first and third. But Super Drag got the, like, we're going out there compared to our first album out of the way. And then their third album splits the difference. And it's really great. It has a great song called Gimme Anim Animosity on it. Um, it, it it's kind of starts their uh, trajectory of just, you know, we're going to be the band that does the crunchy indie rock and we got our kind of masterpiece out of us. And now we're just going to be really consistent. In 2000, were you kind of uh, keeping tabs on Super Drag? No, not at all. I, I don't think I really fully got into Super Drag until like the late 2000s, you know, um, like they'd probably already put out their their final record in 2009 by the time I was starting to get into Regretfully Yours and Head Trippin' Every Key. Like I remember Sucked Out and it that it was one of those moments of like, oh yeah, remember that song? I'm going to go listen to their albums now and and oh, they're great. Um but yeah, In the Valley of Dying Stars, it's a little bit more of a dark album, but Again, like Super Chunk or bands like Smoking Popes, um, you know, when they figured out their sound, they kind of just decided that they would consistently put out these really solid records. I think with some diminishing returns, I think Last Call for Vitriol in 2002, uh, Industry Giants in 2009 aren't my go-to records, but they got some great songs on them. Yeah, totally. And I think it's similar, like we keep saying, to Not A Surf. Uh, after uh, uh, Let Go, which Correction was released in 2002, they um, released kind of a string of albums that 
are almost kind of the same quality, maybe just a little bit below let go, but it's just very consistent. The diminishing returns were there. I feel like 2005's The Way is a Gift was a little bit better than 2008's Lucky, which was uh, quite a bit better than their 2012 album, Uh, The Stars Are Indifferent to Astronomy. Uh, but the kind of where the departure is between these two bands is that uh, Not A Surfer actually still around making music. And in just last year, they released their album, You Know Who You Are, which I think is actually, it was a nice rebound compared to that sort of like, okay, we get what you're doing uh, aspect of their career. Yeah, I need to listen to that one. Um, yeah, uh, they, they're still on Barsook Records, so they've remained loyal to uh, the people that picked them up after their Electra yeah. nightmare. Uh, and uh, as far as it's, it seems like they're just going to keep releasing solid guitar pop albums. Yeah, I, I need to get into that one, and I'd like to see what they do from here. And it's interesting to loop it back to super drag when you're talking about like all the bands today that are, are taking these bands and, and being inspired by them. Uh, the last thing that super drag put out was a double LP demo compilation and they put it out on side one dummy records, which is like home to bands that probably listen to and love super drag. And I think side one dummy also, I might be wrong about this, but I do think they have some of the rights to, some of their records, I think they kind of uh, have been sheltered by Side One Dummy a little bit. And I just think that's really interesting because it's like full circle. Yeah, so, uh, Side One reissued some of those records yeah. on vinyl because I know um, Head Trip and Every Key, I think, was out of print for quite a while. It, it was pretty expensive to, yeah. to get a copy. And then uh, maybe around 2012 or so, I think they started reissuing some of the their other stuff i think regretfully yours is still like a white yeah. whale record for a lot of people I don't, I don't think they repressed that one i i think yeah i think that it's been a really interesting compare and contrast it's it it's interesting that they were both on electra but i just think that story of like the hit record you know the troubled follow-up and then the like consistency the consistence of these records that they continue to put out is like a common theme but i do think like i said before these are two bands that their names are in people's heads but i don't think they necessarily think to go check out their records and find out like how solid a lot of them are and some of our listeners and friends on facebook and beyond had some recommendations when we when we posed the question what's a, a one-hit wonder band that you think didn't deserve it or had records that you loved um, I'm kind of kicking myself about Cake because I think Cake is considered a one-hit wondered band, and I'm I think that they are so amazing and so consistent and so misunderstood. Um, so I would throw their hat into the ring for my pick. But we had a bunch of great results. Uh, yeah, let's run through them. So uh, Tim Defoe on Facebook recommended Brian Van Three Thousand, which I actually have never okay, heard of. Okay, so I think that's a Canadian thing then because they had a huge hit called drinking in la um and it was a big big hit here in canada you could not escape it it was on the much music compilation big shiny tunes uh and i think they were definitely one of those bands that that's all they were really known for was that song i i think this came up a couple times but the first one that i saw was a friend of mine natalia she brought up the band semisonic they had 
a hit called Closing Time. And interestingly enough, uh, I think I saw the uh, name of one of the guys from Semisonic had co-written some of the songs on the latest Not A Surf record. But uh, their album was one of those ones that I... I bought because of the song Closing Time and then listened to the rest of the record and was like, yuck. <laughs> no thanks. I brought this uh, episode prompts to my wife and she actually did recommend Semi-Sonic as well. Um, so I need, to, I need to listen to... What yeah, I, I remember being very I, uh, disappointed with the record, but maybe it, maybe it aged well. Uh, Andrew Bartle recommended Presidents of the United States of America... Which I sort I think of agree it's a with. Good pick. It is, yeah. You had those uh, big singles that were on uh, the self-titled first album, and then uh, their second kind of big album, which I think got a push, uh, veered even further into like kids' music, silly territory. I think it was a little too much uh, to still be considered like a grungy yeah, rock record. I, f- I find them. Um, I really like that first record, and I think that they are a lot cooler than people remember. Like the fact that their bassist and their guitarist both have these weird tunings, and their bassist has guitar strings on his bass guitar, and the guitarist has bass strings on his guitar. It's like totally like '90s alt. Uh, a couple people brought up the uh-huh. New Radicals. My friend Michael Newton, as well as uh, Lauren from the Gray Estates. Um, and I think that's a great pick. That's a song that had a really big hit. You only get what you give. I think it was called, which interestingly enough, shit talked back and called out Marilyn Manson, which was funny. He says something in that song about like, you're in your mansions, like come out, we'll kick your asses. But it's like the most cheery kind of like radio pop. And you're like, you aren't kicking anybody's asses. But a lot of people really like that record. Uh, so uh, Greg on Facebook is this. Greg yes. Legro of See You Next Wednesday. Yeah, celebrity guest response. He's a big Faith uh, No More fan. Uh, I never got into Faith No More. I are you, are you have Faith, slowly Faith no gotten fan? into Faith No More. Um, I had never really heard their their big hit Epic, but I am into their record Angel Dust um, quite a bit. I think that's a really cool record. But I do think that they qualify because that was a big hit and I think people didn't know what to make of it. And then they kind of found their audience and just kind of wrote it from there. Uh, so we also reached out on uh, the Facebook group for the Gray States blog and we got a lot of uh, really cool responses. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, yeah, uh, we also saw I, I got to take this one because it's Canadian related. Um, But Matt Latham said, it's odd for me to say bare naked ladies as I absolutely love them. But one week is often classified as a one hit wonder. Uh, I do love them, mainly the Stephen Page era, but he decided to pick them. I think that's fair. I think especially outside of Canada, that's fair. Um, I think in Canada, they probably had a, a, a number of hits before one week. I think one week when that landed here, it was like this big, big hit. But it was also kind of like. Oh, they're gross now. We don't like them anymore. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's yeah more of these out there. We want to hear which ones you recommend. You can always uh, go on our Facebook or yep. Twitter or Instagram. Totally. And, and they don't have to just be 90s are. bands. <laughs> on Facebook, we are at facebook.com slash surface noise pod. 
on Twitter and Instagram. Our handles are at Surface Noise yes, Pod. And you have your own. Y-C-K-M-D uh, underscore. Say it three times fast. Yeah, I think that totally concludes today's episode. Uh, do, do we have something? We might have something planned already for I think future we have episode. some ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but if anyone out yeah, there has ideas, ideas for things that they would like to see covered, um, genres or whatever, let us know um, because we are always open for ideas. That's right. And uh, we've released a couple of cool episodes recently, so go check those out. Like I said, we talked with Rebecca yeah. Johnson from Netflix's Glow in a past episode. Uh, we talked with uh, the Nationals' Matt Berninger and Baby Dayliner on the same episode, uh, which we'll see yep. like on the front page of our, our feed. And we got more stuff coming, so uh, make sure you subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. Leave a review if you're so inclined. Goodbye. Otherwise, we will see you very soon. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.